Welcome to On the Journey Conversations, sponsored by the Woman's Missionary Union. I'm your host, Sandy Wisdom Martin. My friend Paul Chitwood, president of the International Mission Board, says, Every day, 155,473 people enter eternity without the hope of Jesus. Every week, 1,088,311 die lost. And we are still here, still able to go to them, still able to share the most important news in all the world, the most important message they will ever hear. This is part one of a two-part podcast. Today, you are going to hear from Harper, a grown-up GA and Acteen who is committed to take the gospel to the nations. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Harper, welcome to the podcast. I'm delighted that you were willing to sit down and talk with me today. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Now, you serve in the Pacific Asian Rim. Mm -hmm. How did God call you to missions? It's a very long process. When I was in first grade, we moved to a Southern Baptist church, and I got involved in GAs. I think it was the first time I learned about different countries. We always read the prayer requests for missionaries, and they gave us projects to do. I remember one of my projects was about Guatemala, and I was supposed to learn a few different things that people do in Guatemala, learn what their favorite meal is, try to cook a meal. I think I may have done red beans and rice or something. It was the first time that I had even thought about any other type of people outside of my small Alabama town. So everybody looked the same as me in my town, and we didn't have very many international people where I live because it's a very small town. Not many people like move there from other places. Those projects with GAs, I always liked them. I was always excited about them. So I remember things starting then, and my friend and I learned in school, I think in science class, about the rainforest. And we thought it would be the coolest thing to go be missionaries in the rainforest. (laughs) So (laughs) we promised each other that that's what we would do. And I made it halfway there. I'm a missionary, not in the rainforest. (laughs) But you are a missionary. Yes. So GAs really changed your worldview. It did. And it was from GAs to ACTEENS. I did Acteens. We took trips around the United States. So I think I went to Chicago and New York and just saw different people and saw different ways of living, living in a big city versus my very small town. But honestly, even with all of that, I never wanted to leave Alabama. I liked my small town. I liked my bland American food. I didn't know it was bland at the time. I just had no desire to go overseas or even live in a different state. I thought the trips were fun, but that was pretty much it. That was it. Yeah. So I went through college. Then in graduate school, I went to a really good church that focuses on discipling college students and opening their eyes up to the nations. I think my eyes were already open from GAs and Acteens, but it was like a reminder 
of those things. And that same excitement that came from my Guatemala project started happening again. So my church, they send mission trips all throughout the year, and they especially make sure that college students have at least two different opportunities in the year to go somewhere. I remember hearing that there was a trip to Africa, and I heard myself saying, I want to do that. And I surpri- I was so surprised. I was like, what? I kind of looked, beh- <laughs> looked behind me like, who was that? Because like I said, never wanted to leave America. I had been discipled probably a couple of months before I heard that. By discipled, I mean I had been meeting with someone one-on-one or in a group weekly, talking about the Word of God, talking about how it applies to our lives. And she also would take me to campus and like throw me out there to go share the gospel with a stranger, which is not something I like to do. (laughs) I'm an introvert to the core. I feel like the discipleship I received was finally something where I took ownership of my faith. I was a believer from very young but the discipleship I received helped me to move forward in my faith. And it sounds like it rekindled that mission's heart that God placed in you as a child. And all those things I learned when I was young were still there. I had just kind of put them on a shelf for a little while. And I thought, like, that's really cool for some people to do, but I'm not those people. Like, I, I'm not outgoing. I don't like to meet strangers. I don't know what to say to them. And then I don't know what to do with my hands. And so I just thought, of course, my friend, honestly, who we made a pact to go to the rainforest, she would have been the one that I would think would be the good missionary. So I was like, yeah, people like her, they will go. They're so friendly. That's what they do. And all those stories that we read in GAs and act teens. You imagine that those missionaries are like these flawless heroes, you know? (laughs) So I was like, of course they would do that, but not me. But yeah, I met the Lord in His Word. And then all of those scriptures I had memorized, all of the stories I had heard about missionaries, they came alive again. And it connected to me in a way that had not before And through that mission trip to Africa, I finally worshipped with someone from a different culture. And they were singing a different language. I was singing English, but we were singing the same song. And I saw just like, I didn't know it at the time, but I was imagining the scene in Revelation where people are around the throne and all the languages and all the peoples are represented. So that started the ball rolling again, I would say. And I told God so many times after that mission trip, like, you don't want me to be a missionary. No way, God. Are you sure about this? But it seemed like everything I read in the Word all of a sudden said the nations. I was in Psalms. A lot of Psalms have the nations, the nations, the nations, especially Psalm 67. So those things, coupled with what I was also reading at the time, Exodus, about Moses and the burning bush. (laughs) And 
I was doing the same sort of thing to God as Moses did at first. What did Moses say? He had a lot of excuses. He did. He was like, no, God, not me. I, I don't know how to speak. What did I say? <laughs> you know, I can't do that, God. I'm, I'm not outgoing. I'm not, 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 you know. But what does God say to Moses? I am. So God showed me, yeah, maybe you're not, but I am. And whatever it is that I call you to do is what you're supposed to do. So that came through reading the word. And then we had a missions conference at my church. And this lady that had been a missionary for 54 years, she was in her 80s. She was one of those people that I would have read about as a GA and thought like, whoa. But she got up on a Sunday night. I was in the choir. And she opened her Bible and she's like, everyone open your Bible to Exodus, whatever chapter it is, with the burning bush. I had just read it that afternoon. And she reads the verses and she says, God doesn't want our excuses. He wants our obedience. And I was just like, whoa, you know. She's talking to me. Yes, and so I start crying in the choir. So everyone's watching me. Which is perfect for an introvert. Yes, great. (laughs) You're right front center crying. Yeah, so then I told the pastor and the college pastor that I, I think, I'm not sure, maybe God is calling me to missions. And then I called my parents, and they were quiet. I was thinking like, oh no, what are they going to say? And they were like, well, we've been waiting for about a year for you to figure this out. So they had known since that trip to Africa and probably since I promised my friend NGAs that we'd be missionaries in the rainforest. They had just been waiting for it to develop and for the Lord to make it clear and for me to say yes. How wonderful to have parents that already know that, that call that God's placed on your life, but then also to be supportive. Yes, you hear a lot of stories from people whose families either just don't understand, they're not believers maybe, or they're just really hostile to the idea, and I never had to deal with that. So the Lord was really gracious to me with that. And I think probably He knew that I would have a lot of trouble actually going if my parents were not on board with it because I needed confirmation, and he used them as confirmation. That's the call. It took a long time. It started in first grade with GAs when I realized that some people eat red beans and rice, and that's (laughs) all they eat for dinner, and some people wear different clothes. And then it continued into act teens, when we went on these trips and I saw U.S. missionaries doing ministry in the inner city and things and then kind of took a break in college. I was focused more on myself, as most college students are, and then really opened up again when I went to Africa. I think seeing different people, hearing their stories, especially worshiping with someone from a different culture and a different language, just You can't stay quiet after that. There's nothing like worshiping with Africans in Africa. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Sometimes I am sad that I don't live there because I can't be in, like, the African choir. 
The Asians are great too, and they also worship the Lord in a beautiful way. God calls you and you have answered. How do you get overseas? Yeah, well, in flowing with the story I've just told, it took me about two years. I know God is calling me to actually getting on a plane. Uh I knew that the journeyman program was around. My pastor counseled me to do the journeyman program. But he also said, you've just gone through a master's program and this call to missions is very new, but I wasn't in a position where I could stay where I was. I needed to go get a job or I needed to do journeyman. And we talked and we thought like, maybe I need a little more time before I applied to journeyman. So I went and got a job. In the span of two years, I applied to journeyman. I went to the first interview conference, got freaked out about it and didn't take a job. Because once again, I was like, these jobs are not for me. I don't, I don't know that I could do that. I, I'm an introvert. I don't talk to All people. All the things, yeah, yeah. Listed them again. And I guess, you know, it wasn't the right time. Yeah. So I went to a second interview conference, but I had to let go of some things before I did that. One of those was a boyfriend. Journeyman has some rules. Basically, they want you to make sure that if you are dating someone, that it aligns with God's call on your life. And it didn't for me. It was just a comfort, I think. So I think I was 26 at the time. And I was thinking, all my friends are married. Some of my friends are starting to have kids. If I don't get married now, I'll never get married. Yeah, it's over. Yeah, it's my life is over, you know. So I really struggled with that. And then finally, I can't remember the specific Bible passage, like the call to missions, but there was some conglomeration of things that just hit me one day that like, if I am supposed to get married, God will make that happen. If I am not supposed to get married, that is good because that is God's plan. But either way, he's called me. Either way, he's called me to be a missionary, and I am being disobedient because I'm not going. So I'd gotten to the point where now we're in disobedience. So I had to break up with this really nice guy, and he was very sad, and I felt bad about it. But I I have never felt so at peace in my entire life as I did that day. And then following, going to that second interview conference, I was confident. I'm usually just like neurotic about schedules and like, I have to get to this on time or I'm missing this or what am I doing? Which is funny because I'm usually late to everything. I don't know how all that fits together, but I was like, it's so much enjoying myself at this interview conference that I forgot to go and get my picture made at the time slot that I was supposed to get it made. And I was like, what is wrong with me? (laughs) But I was just in this place where God had called me. I had said yes. I had said yes again, I guess. Or okay, finally it's time. And I was walking in what God wanted me to do. And you're trusting him to take care of the details. Yes. So I wasn't worried about I wasn't really worried about where I should go. I knew that he would show me. And I wasn't worried about, will I ever get married? That was something that the Lord was going to take care of. I was just in this place where finally I felt like I had crossed this 
faith maturity line, and I was ready to go serve the Lord as a single, as, you know, later if I get married, whatever was comfortable. And that was a good place. Whatever and wherever. Yeah. Rainforest Africa. Yeah. And I, of course, loved Africa. And I had, in between that time, been to another place in Africa, and it's a place that's mostly Muslim. And I thought, like, I want to go to Africa, work with Muslims, but the Lord sent me to Asia. And the country I first was in was mostly Buddhist. So I was just in this place of surrender, and the Lord used that. So yeah, I went to that second interview conference, found my job, and served for two years as a journeyman. What did you do while you were on the field? I was a writer. My background is in English and master's in writing. So Perfect I, job for an introvert, by the way. Yeah. So I used my writing that I studied in school, and I wrote about missionaries, and I traveled a lot, which is funny because I love to be at home. <laughs> Even still, I love to be at home. I traveled to South Asia and lots of countries in Southeast Asia. And I saw different types of missionary teams, different ways of, or different, I would call it different stages of missionary work from like, no one is a believer. We're going out sharing all the time Mm -hmm. to we've got a big group of believers and they're doing most of the going out. We're just providing like leadership development. What did God teach you during that time? It's very interesting. I knew that when God called me back in graduate school to missions, that it was long-term. I never questioned that from the very beginning. So as I was traveling, I was looking at what does long-term look like? Because journeyman is really exciting and fun, but you do have this mentality of it's just for two years. So I was watching, looking around, and I had no idea where God would call me long-term and what type of people I would be working with. I would meet people who are missionaries, and they would say, like, I have this love for this people group, or I have this, this just passion for this country. I didn't really have that, and I thought there was something wrong with me. <laughs> but I just saw, like, okay, I'm in this place. Everyone's Hindu. They're so lost without the gospel. I'm in this place. Everyone's Buddhist, also very lost. Then over here, these people are Muslims, and over here, these people are atheists. So I saw all those different places and places that are dominated by other religions, and I just thought, goodness, wherever God plops me down will be a place where people are far from God, where they don't know the gospel, and a lot of times where people have never had the opportunity to hear. So I think what God taught me in that time was everyone is in need of the gospel. Yes, it's good to have a passion for a certain type of people. And what I do now with my husband, we do focus on a people group, but we live in a place where there are so many different types of people that if you only focused on one people group, you would be blind to Mm -hmm. all the other people around you. So I think he was preparing me to live where I live now because I don't look out and just see my focus group. 
I look out and see, oh, you know, here's my neighbor who's giving offerings in the morning because that's what they do. Here's the shop owner who has these statues at his shop for good luck and for this. And then here's my Muslim neighbor who's going to the mosque. And so there's just such variety where I live that you have to be ready for whatever, I guess, kind of in the theme of what we've been talking about. Yeah, you have to be ready for whoever God sends your way. During the next podcast, we will finish our conversation with Harper. Last year, you helped IMB plant 18,380 new churches. More than three-quarters of a million heard a gospel witness. There were more than 86,000 baptisms, and we certainly celebrate that. But there is so much more work that needs to be done. There are 4.5 billion unreached people globally. By 2025, our partners at the International Mission Board have a goal to mobilize 500 additional missionaries. We can help by praying, by giving, and when God calls, by going. Thank you for listening.